I'm Amber Smith, and this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. When a baby is born with sex characteristics that do not fit typical definitions of male or female, the medical term is intersex. This happens more often than you might imagine. Here to explain is Dr. Susan Stred, Professor of Pediatrics at Upstate Medical University's Joslyn Diabetes Center. Welcome, Dr. Stred. Good morning, Amber. So how often are intersex babies born? We may ever not ever actually know that answer. It's hard to know for sure. We'd have to have a consensus first on what's different enough from average to mm. count as a difference of sex development, um, also known as intersex. There's actually no consensus on how small a penis must be or how large a clitoris must be before it counts as an intersex condition. Some are more obvious. For instance, a baby boy where the opening for the urine is down on the uh, bottom of the body instead of at the end of the penis, that's pretty obvious. That's the most common one, and that's estimated to be about one in 150 baby boys. So that's reasonably common. And that opening can be anywhere along the bottom of the penis, the whole way to the bottom of the body, called the perineum. Um, Other disorders, perhaps one in 10 or 20,000 live births. Uh, There is one condition called ovotestis, where on the inside of the body, half of the ovary is an ovary and half of the ovary is a testicle. And that's a quite rare phenomenon. So to, to let us know how often it actually happens, um, we have to estimate. And estimates from specialists are that probably one in every 2,000 births at a hospital involves a child whose genitals are atypical enough to make the sex unclear that day. But if we count all kinds of abnormalities, including that the hypospadias, where the urinary tract opening is in a different place, it might be more numerous than one in 1,500. So one estimate even says that one in 100 persons has some kind of difference in sex anatomy. It not, may not be enough to consider it intersex, but enough that it might vary from typical to get people's attention. What we can say is that it's more common than the average person would probably guess, as you mentioned. If you're in a moderate-sized town, or in the kind of superstore that has several, you know, hundred customers at a time, there are probably people around you with a difference of sex anatomy. If you're in the carrier dome watching a sold-out basketball game, statistically, there are at least 15 people in the stands with Hmm. an intersex condition. Okay. Well, you've done a good job of kind of giving a definition, uh, you know, telling us what this includes. Um, Does this have anything to do with being transgender? No, not at all. And thank you for asking that question. Transgender refers to a situation where the person feels that the gender they were assigned at birth, boy or girl, just isn't the right one for them, that there's been a mistake made. Um, That's an internal brain issue. Their external anatomy looks perfectly typical. What we're talking about this morning in intersex is physical development, how a person's body is formed, not how they feel themselves to be. By the way, that formation can be both external and internal. So not everyone's identified at birth. Uh, There are folks where we don't know that there's an issue until puberty. They look perfectly typical at birth, typical boy or typical girl. And when the age comes for pubertal development to happen, either it doesn't happen at all, there aren't the appropriate uh, internal parts to move forward with puberty, or totally shocking to the person in the family, their body starts to change in the opposite direction. So someone who's been assigned boy 
may start developing breast tissue, for instance. Or a young person who's been being brought up as a girl may all of a sudden start getting a deep voice, broad shoulders. The clitoris may start to enlarge and look more male-like. This is obviously very concer- sorry, very concerning uh, for and, and startling for a family in addition to the physicians. Sure. Well, um, yes, and so you, you uh, meet with parents and of, of babies that are born intersex or children that during puberty are developing as intersex. What, what are those conversations like? What are the concerns that parents have? <laughs> uh, the conversations are very long and very difficult and often have to be uh, repeated in stages because this is challenging to process and, and very personally difficult for many of the families. Um, for physicians, one of the concerns is making sure that there's any medical health issues on the inside. So sure. obviously we're, we're looking at potential uh, investigations and, and scientific tests in addition to trying to support the family, um, getting psychological assistance for them to help process these uh, changes in how they see themselves. And hooking up folks with support groups nationwide and, and worldwide, which has proven to be very valuable. Um, the concerns that families raise are both what's going on with me. Uh, does this represent a cancer that I have right now? Certainly always an issue, and, and the answer is always no. Um, the questions about future fertility for this individual. They may have been raised female and expecting that they were going to bear babies only to find out that they don't have a uterus, for instance, and that's not going to be possible. Mm. Or a young man who's being raised male, and we find out that the testicles were never formed correctly, he's not going through puberty. It may be unlikely that even with advanced technology, he'll make enough sperm to be able to father a child in the more typical fashion. Um, Families differ uh, on what's the most important focus for them, but some families are very focused on the question the possibility that their child will be uh, homosexual and find that very distressing. Other families are pretty comfortable with whoever their child is interested in and thinks is cute. So when a baby's born and and the baby has ambiguous genitalia or or both sets of genitalia or whatever, the parents, um, how do they go about deciding with the doctor which gender the baby is? How do you tell whether a baby's boy or girl? That's a terrific question. It's an involved process and can take between a few days and a few weeks. In I'll, Parenthetically, I'll let you know that all babies get a gender assignment, no matter how uh, unusual their physical appearance. So the parents and doctors do decide which checkbox to check off, if okay. you will. It's what, what maybe is more prominent or what? Well, well there in a, in okay. a second. Okay. Okay. In Germany, it, there's been a recent um, advancement that parents can actually check off a box that says not yet determined. Oh, really? Which is really helpful for families as things move forward. So the answer to your question are the types of studies that uh, physicians look at are hormone levels in the bloodstream, the chromosomes, which probably everyone learned about in biology class, a typical chromosome set for a typical male is an X and a Y. A typical chromosome set for a typical female is an X and an X. But not everyone's body follows that, that pathway. Uh, we do check for those. Um, 
imaging studies. Uh, in the past, uh, we used uh, contrast to put it into any apparent vagina or urinary opening and see what was beyond that. More and more these days, those are done with MRI scans, for instance, ultrasounds, or even under direct visualization by our pediatric urology colleagues. Mm -hmm. So they'll actually pass a tiny telescope into that and look and see what the internal anatomy might be. In the most challenging cases, which are the rarest as well, there may actually be a laparoscopy or a telescope into the abdominal cavity to examine what the internal genitalia look like. And in very rare cases, actually biopsies. Interesting. Okay, let me remind listeners real quick that this is Upstate's Health Link on Air, and we're talking with Dr. Susan Stred, professor of pediatrics at Upstate Medical University's Jocelyn Diabetes Center, about intersex, the condition of intersex. So can you give us some background on what leads to intersex? Are there things happening in the embryonic stage of the baby's development? Absolutely. All, all fetuses begin in a sexually neutral or bipotential state with exactly the same internal and external structures. Up to about six weeks of age, no one would know. Wait, six weeks of development? I'm sorry, six weeks okay. of gestation. I'm okay. sorry. Uh, no one would know whether this fetus was destined to be female or destined to be male. Everything looks the same on the outside. Okay. There's a term that doctors use called gonads, and those are the primordial structures that will become either ovaries or testicles. They're absolutely identical at this stage. Okay? There are at least 20 genes that have already been identified involved in sex development. Most of them are not on the X or Y chromosomes. Uh, that's new information in the last 20 years. One example is that, that we can use is that in order to travel from Utica to Syracuse, one's choice of route may depend on the weather traffic accidents, whether you're visiting a mall or a relative along the way, you don't like driving on a throughway, you don't want to pay the toll. Not everyone will just take the throughway from Utica right. to the I-81 interchange. There are different routes you can take to get here. So from that six-week point, depending on what genes are uh, turned on and working at any given point, the things start to change. So a gonad with a healthy Y chromosome and no changes in the other genes we mentioned will proceed on to become a testicle will start producing testosterone, and that testosterone will start changing that external appearance to look more typically male. If the gonad doesn't have a healthy Y chromosome or has differences in some of those other genes, the gonad will end up developing into an ovary. But that process is slower. That goes over a longer length of time, perhaps even 10 to 20 weeks. So through almost half of the gestational time of the pregnancy, the ovary is moving toward ovariness, and the external genitalia will appear the most female. There's an excellent resource with animated diagrams on the website for the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. It's colloquially known as Sick Kids. I'm including a link in those materials. Uh, oh, we'll put that on our website as yep, well. Today's so, broadcast. Healthlinkonair.org. So folks can actually look at how that early infant development happens. Everything looks sort of neutral to begin with. The same tissue that's going to become a clitoris can become a penis. The same tissue that's going to be labia can become a scrotum. Uh, it's important to know that both males and females have both sets of hormones throughout life, male-like hormones called androgens and female-like hormones called estrogens. Part of our appearance is based on the balance between those two sets of hormones. During early childhood, those hormones are zero in both boys and girls, but during fetal development, and then again after puberty, 
What we look like depends on a balance of those. So if a fetus is seeing more testosterone than it might have otherwise, the baby will come out looking more male-like. If the fetus doesn't see testosterone and sees only estrogen, that baby is going to look more female-like, no matter what their chromosomes are on the inside, no matter whether they have ovaries or testicles. Interesting. So that's how the, the appearance happens. Okay. So does the condition of intersex, does that set someone up for cancer later in life? That's a terrific question. The data that science has on that are based on what are called case reports or small series of of, uh, patients. Like anecdotal? Or or a a small number, 15 persons or 30 persons or 40 persons. And amongst the intersex conditions, there are a few where that cancer risk is indeed high. 20 to 50 years ago, that knowledge was generalized to the whole field. So there was a panic in the newborn period. Well, any person with an intersex condition is going to be at high risk for cancer in the future. We have to take those, um, do surgery and take those gonads out right away. Well, as science has learned more, we know that that's not the case. One of the um, intersex conditions is called complete androgen insensitivity syndrome. It's where a person with an X and a Y chromosome makes plenty of testosterone, but doesn't have a working receptor for that. Hormones act like keys, and they have to fit in a lock. And these individuals have no lock. So they actually have no testosterone effect in their body. It used to be thought that their testicles had to be removed because they were at risk of cancer. We now know that the risk of cancer in those individuals is very, very low. Are surgery still done today to, at, at birth? That's a moving target. Um, for parents whose infant's genitals don't appear typical, they may be pretty distressed. They may feel it urgent to have their child undergo cosmetic surgery to appear more typical. Uh, And 50 years ago, that was definitely done. Surgical interventions are often driven by the fear of the body looking unusual rather than by any medical necessity. The field is trying now to balance the current parental fears and desires with two facts. One is that the young person himself or herself may feel differently in the future and may not identify Mm-hmm. with that gender that's decided in that first week of life. With some of the medical conditions, we know that there's a 25% chance, no matter which way parents and physicians decide on a gender assignment in that first week of life, the teen or young adult may say, no, I'm really the other gender. So to have done surgery to cosmetically make the external genitalia appear girl in a person who's going to eventually identify as boy or vice versa is not the right thing to have done. So it's not being done as often today as it used to be, so. Um, The activist community in particular would very much like to move the whole field in that direction. Okay. But I told you that there were two consequences, and the second one is also important. Parents of newborns don't like to think of their child as a a eventual sexually active adult, but some of the surgeries change uh, sexual responsiveness or the ability to have sexual activity uh, in the adult time, uh, and scar tissue can make that challenging. So the parents want what's best for their child, 
but cosmetic surgery in the newborn period may right. actually set them up for consequences later on in life that are not the ones that they intended. Wow. Well, this has been a very interesting topic. I appreciate you being here. Um, this has been Amber Smith talking about intersex conditions with Dr. Susan Stred, a professor of pediatrics at Upstate Medical University, and this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air.